Hi, this is Pastor Ricky Temple. I am so happy today to bring you a treat. We went back in our archives and found what we call Pastor Rick Classics. These are a sermon series that we think really speak to the soul. It's a great Bible study. It's a great time to sit back and enjoy God's Word in a very humble, I think honest, and I think real down-home way. It just really speaks to the soul. It's from my heart, so sit back and enjoy my humble presentation. I pray it blesses you. It's my effort to give you some of the best from the classic sermons I've preached over the years. Enjoy the sermon series. First time you're 20. I want to, um, as we work our way through 1 Samuel, I want to show you how leaders, a leader named Saul, got off track. What's interesting is you learn the more you study Saul's life why God didn't choose him to remain as king. He had um, some real problems, some things he couldn't shake. And uh, there are a lot of reasons why God can't use people. Sometimes you'll see people with great promise and great potential. And you said, now that's a leader. He's going to go far. She's going to go far. And they don't. Because what leadership does is it brings to the surface all your fears, all the things that you struggle with, all the things that you are insecure about, because everybody is going to target them. Uh, not everybody, but enough people will. I really have grown as a leader. I've learned to not care about some things. I've learned that I have to prioritize my life. I've learned that some people are not going to like me, not designed to like me, not called to like me. And, and that's okay because there are some things that I'm not called to like, like mashed potatoes. God didn't make them for me. I hate them. Always have hated them. From the first time I tasted them, I thought they were the nastiest thing ever made on the planet. Now, how many of you love mashed potatoes? <laughs> Deliver them, Jesus. <laughs> now, there's probably rarely a day that I don't eat grits. I'm a grits connoisseur. I can make them fast. I can make them slow. I'm serious. The one thing I hate about preaching up north, no grits. Every time I go to L.A., they never have grits. I do the best I can. I make oatmeal and mix it up real good. But not grits. One of the first things I do when I get to the Atlanta airport, on my way back home, if I fly the red eye, which I do often, I go straight to this place. I think it's Concourse A. And they have grits. And I eat them. First thing, sometime off the plane, where the grits? Some of you say he need deliverance, right? <laughs> when I write a book about my life, I'm going to call it Just Grits. You think I'm kidding, don't you? I'm serious. Now, that's my life, my choice. Some people don't like my choices. Everybody's not called to come to overcoming faith. Everyone doesn't like my style of teaching. And that's okay. Repeat with me. Say, so that's okay. That's okay. David learns that. Verse 1. <laughs> Saul is chasing him. 
The Bible said, Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Couldn't figure it out. You ever had somebody dislike you and you couldn't figure out why? Now, in Saul's case, it's jealousy. Rooted in a song. It goes all the way back chapter 18. Verse 7. The women sang. Saul is slain his what? Thousand. And David is how many? That's what did it. Verse 8. <laughs> Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. Sometimes it's one thing you do or say that can cause somebody to dislike you. And you can't always figure it out. You can't always nail it down. I, I mean, <clears throat> there are people that have been jealous of me or not like me, and I couldn't. Sometimes it was a sermon I preached. One little thing I said, I'm going to buy my wife a car. <coughs> I can't believe he said that. So he bothered them. So they can't buy their wife one, I don't know. Oh, I see it. I'm, I don't know. I was like that, though. I have one, I can, most of the people that I didn't like, preachers, that I enjoy their sermons, sometimes I hear them, it's one thing they see. Never, choose never to dislike a person because of one thing. Somebody said, well, I'm doing good. I hate them for five reasons. I got ten. <laughs> but that one thing caused all this to unfold, and I want you to watch what happens. <laughs> David is forced to run for 20, no, I'm sorry, for 10 years. He's 20 years old in chapter 20. Isn't that easy? And he runs until he's 30. A long trial. <coughs> Jealousy can separate you from people for a long time, especially when it's not something you control. You don't always control how people feel about you. That's why I've learned to separate myself from con being concerned about that. If a member <coughs> is mad with me, and just really wired. I will, because I love people, I'll try, you know. So what's the problem? Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, I've learned that people have to decide to release you from your failure. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Let's pretend someone has stolen your money. Now you have two choices. They if they repent, give you the money back, you must release them from that sin. They can't make you release them. Some of you are trying to make somebody release you that you, you can't. You can't bribe them, you can't. It, it, it's got to be their choice. It's a personal decision. 
So people who choose to hold things against me, and I'm not thinking of anybody. I have no one in my mind, okay? I don't have anybody in my mind. But, it, but I, I've learned not to worry about it. Because there's nothing you can do. You can't sit there and mourn for the rest of your life. You have to go to work. It's a personal decision. <clears throat> verse 30. I want to jump here to the verse 30 because this is interesting because Jonathan tries to get his daddy to see how wrong he is. And um, <clears throat> Jonathan's a little bit naive. He's one of those people that believes if I talk to my dad, I can get through to him or I can maybe make a difference. Sometimes you don't help. You can't help by intervening. Sometimes you can try, but if jealousy is rooted in a person's heart, there's not much you can do sometimes. Verse 30. Saul's anger was aroused against who? Turns on his own son now. And he said to him, catch this, you son of a, of a perverse, rebellious woman. Talks about his mama. <laughs> Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse, which is David, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. See, he knew that Jonathan knew where David was. Jonathan answered Saul. Talks back to his daddy. Why should he be killed? What hath he done? Simple question. Just tell me, Daddy, why you want to kill him? What did he do? You hear that all the way through Samuel. Why and what? When you ask a person, why don't you like Pastor Ray? Why don't you like my church? What what have they ever done to you? Why don't you like me? Sometimes... Um, I just don't like them. <laughs> I can't tell you why. A lot of times that's a sign of jealousy. Because they're not where you are. Most people hate when you ever get past them. You go back to your old neighborhood with a better car and watch, watch how they respond. <laughs> oh, Lord, look who's coming by now. <laughs> All right, Saul so cast a spear at him. To kill him. Mm-mm-mm. But I wish Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. I guess so. Jonathan arose from the table. Good idea. <laughs> but he was in fierce anger. Ate no food for the second day of the month. Ate no food the second day of the month. But he was grieved for David. Because his father had treated him how? Shameful. <clears throat> Some things you can't change. Chapter 21, verse 10. David runs. He now knows there's no hope. Saul is determined to kill him. So David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish to keep God. I've seen that name before. Hmm. I have seen that name before. Haven't you seen that name before? God, now where? Ah, chapter 17. 
There is a, I know I saw that in the Bible. See, these names can run together sometimes, but every now and then you can note something. David's going to Goth because he's running from Saul, I guess, to find a place to protect himself. But look where he runs. A champion, read that with me, please. A champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named what? From where? Oh, no, he's going to Goliath's hometown for help. Good idea. Don't you think so? David's under pressure now, and so he decides, I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go down to Goliath's hometown, ask his king to help me. Now, you know, he's the one who killed Goliath three years ago. He was 17. Are you with me? Hmm. Chapter 21, verse 10. David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of God. And the servants of Achish said to him, read that with me, please. Is this not who? David? The king of what? The king of the land? Is that what it says? Did they not sing of him to one another and dance the saying? What's the famous song? It was really a rap song. First rap song. Saul is slain is what? Thousands. David is what? Ten thousand. Not a good moment. Can you guys believe who has come to town for help? You kid. He has come to the hometown of Goliath. The single most embarrassing moment in the history of the Philistine army. Now, sometimes as a leader, if you're not careful, you can make a bad decision. Here's a leader who lost sight of some things. Watch what happens. David took these words to heart. I would guess so. David said, I didn't know that song had come over here. The hidden Israel, but not a hidden Philistine. So now, he was very much afraid. I would think so. So then the Bible said he changed his behavior before them and pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gates and let his spit fall down to his beard. Instant plan. I better do something quick. They are scared of crazy people. It's true. They had a lot of those um, fears and phobias and, and superstitions. So David starts to drooling and spitting and dragging them to ah! and dribbling. And so they let him go. What's even funnier is later on in the next teaching, I'm going to show you he comes back to them again. Now, I want you to see how amazing this journey has been. A leader has to be careful not to allow the pressure of the moment to convince him to take a path that's not wise. A leader has to be careful that he doesn't allow himself 
to be swayed by the crowd and by the trends of the day. Because he'll forget where his safety zone is. You've got to learn not to go places that God didn't call you to go to. You're going to notice that every time he comes to this man, he comes to him twice, he gets in trouble. Stick with the plan that God's given you, and you'll be all right. I am always tempted to get off the plan. I'm always tempted to follow a crowd or a trend or a latest hit. And television is one of the single greatest trendsetters in the body of Christ. You go watch TV, and whatever they're doing on there, you come back to your church and say, let's do it here. They're all falling out. You want to all fall out. It, it's amazing to me. You never follow the crowd as a leader. You've got to learn to think it through and stick with the plan. Never just do something because everybody's doing it. And I appreciate the fact that God put this in the word because he says, I want you to see what a leader does under pressure. How he can turn wrong. How he can run up and do something. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was talking about some building program they're in. And we were talking about it. And I said, you know, you, maybe she should wait. This is not a good time. He said, what am I going to tell the people? Tell them it's not a good time. <laughs> Don't just run and do something because everybody's expecting it. They'll respect you when you draw the line. Say amen if you're hearing me, church. Amen. All right. Now, chapter 22. Now, in chapter 22, you see that David now is, is running. Saul now goes further off the deep end. He turns against his family. Verse 8, all of you who conspired against me, there's no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there's not one of you who is, who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servants against me to lie and wait. See, I mean, this guy's gone off the deep end. He's back on Jonathan again. And now, <clears throat> he doesn't just stop there. Verse 17. The king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled and did not tell me. But the servants of the king would not do it. They would not lift up their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. Verse 18. The king said to Dog, I'm sorry, Doeg. <laughs> Doeg was the guy who happened to see David talking to the preacher. And Doeg tells Saul, David's down there with those preachers. And so Saul comes. And no one else will kill the priest, but of course, Doeg does. Well, see, note with me, when a leader becomes rebellious, he turns against two groups of people. One is he turns against his family. He becomes hostile to his family. The very ones that God put in your life to keep you grounded as a leader. Diane keeps me grounded, tied to the floor. I tell the story all the time about when I go places and preach and die and come home and take trash out. We don't go, I just came from preaching. 
I know, but full of towels. It's always something grounding. His family knew he was wrong, but he didn't listen to them. And if you're not careful as a leader, one of the first signs you're on the way out is you don't listen to anybody in your family. Everybody in your family is wrong. Some of you come here, tell me, ah, my family's unsaved. They don't know what they're talking about. They're the main ones who know you. After all these years of preaching, I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe your family. <laughs> they say you crazy, you crazy. <laughs> that ain't right, Pastor Rick. Yeah, it is. They know you. Come in here and put your fancy clothes on and smile at me. They know you. They know you never paid that money back. <laughs> I tell people, I tell you, what do your mama say? What your, what your daddy say? They know you better than I do. Turn against your family. Be careful about that. But Pastor Rick, they're not saved. So? Saved people are not the only ones that have sins. Saved people are not the only ones who, who, know, who know right from wrong. I often say one of the worst things you can do is just talk to Christians who don't know you. Come to a church and go make a major decision in your life and ask somebody in the church that you met five days ago. Should I leave and move to Milwaukee? What do you think the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying, you better not move to Milwaukee on the word of somebody you just met. First sign, leader's in trouble, turns against his family. Second sign is he turns against everybody else as a leader. He respects nobody else's leadership. Saul had no respect for the preacher's leadership. He ignores his peers. Everybody's wrong but him. That's what happens when sometimes you become a pastor, a leader. Lose your mind. You, I don't know everything. I don't know about Halloween. I tell you, I don't know about Halloween like I, like I know about Easter. I know Easter. Ask about Easter next time. I don't know about Halloween. <laughs> know a little bit, but not as much as I know about other things. Respect, respect that you don't know everything. Respect that you're not the only one. Say amen if you're hearing. Amen. And that's a sign that this man's jealousy had wrapped around his brain. He was losing his mind. Chapter 23. Now, chapter 23, we know that David, now, you're going to see what I call the heart of a leader, a good leader. What this book does is it compares the heart of Saul to the heart of David. Good leader, bad leader comparison. And God's trying to show you why I chose David and why I didn't choose Saul. And he builds a case just by telling the story. Why hasn't God chosen you? Why has God chosen somebody else? God didn't just choose me because he likes me. He chose me because he knew I'd study the word of God. 20 years later, I'd still be turning the pages. Why did God choose me to be here? Because God knew that I wouldn't be chasing you women in this church. Come on, talk to me. Care how fine you get, I don't care how cute your eyes are, I don't care how many curls you get in your head. I'm too old and too tired. I done seen too many ships go down, I ain't crazy. The Bible said, drink waters from your own cistern. I named this glass Diane. <laughs> Man, please. Have me on 2020. 
I ain't got time for that stuff, not me. And there goes Pastor Rick with cameras and all that stuff, filming me coming out someplace. <laughs> Only place you're gonna film me coming out is the Bible bookstore. <laughs> and the mall, <laughs> grocery store. So put your kitten hidden cameras away. David's heart. How does it reveal? Well, let me show you. Verse 1 and 2, chapter 23. Then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. And they're robbing the threshing floor. That's where they would, you know, they do all their storage of wheat and everything. So they're taking all the crops, he said, and they're killing people. My question is, where's the king? If David is on the run and he hears about it, surely Saul heard about it. These are Saul's people. Why isn't Saul coming to these people's rescue in Keala? Well, maybe he's busy. Watch David. Now remember, he's in danger himself. David did what? <coughs> Inquired of who? Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keala. Now, <coughs> David shows how unselfish he is and how concerned he is about others, even when he's in danger himself. Now, if somebody's been chasing you around the countryside with 3,000 men to kill you, the last thing you'd want to do is go to a place and wage war against the Philistines because not only is Saul going to find out that you're there fighting to save this town, but the Philistines are going to be fighting you too. You could be surrounded. Watch what David did. He prays, God, what's right? Even though it's not safe for me. That's what a leader has to decide. What's right? Not what's easy or secure, but what's right. It doesn't matter if it's going to make you more profitable. The question is, is it right? That's the question. The difference between Saul and David. David took time to pray about that. Now watch what happens. David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah. David, <clears throat> I know you prayed, but we already scared. It's only 400 of us. We really don't want to go help nobody else because we're already scared here. How much more if we go to Keala against the armies, plural, <clears throat> of the Philistines? Leading people past their fears is a challenge. Because when you talk to people about stepping out and doing something beyond their comfort zone, they become afraid. And it's the greatest hindrances to a leader's vision. You don't get far leading chickens. They just bark, 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 and they bicker. You need to raise up eagles. You've got to raise up people who are hawks. You've got to raise up people who will go on the attack, who have a spirit that takes them beyond the comfort zone. Now watch how he does this. This is important. 
David inquired of the Lord once again. He goes back to God, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keala, for I will deliver the Philistines in your hand. And David and his men went. Now David goes back to God, makes sure he's got it right, but notice how he does not allow people to stop him. That's a leader. A leader stands in the face of those he leads and says, God said go, and we go. Say that with me, please. Come on. God said go, and we go. God said go. God is amazing. You never have the victory if you never go. That's why some of you are never going to have any money. Never going to have any money. You're not, you're not going to have any money. Not real money. We have a dollar or two. But if you want to do something different, you're going to have to go where it's not safe. You're going to have to go where you're not going to necessarily uh, feel secure. You're going to have to take a chance. You will never be blessed until you leave your comfort zone over and over and over again, I have seen God do the miraculous simply because I will be led to go do something that's beyond a comfort place for me. Some of us are too comfortable. Over and over and over again as a leader, God has asked me to forget my comfort zone. I want you to quote a few verses with me. Close your eyes and say this. Say, we walk by faith, we walk by faith. And, not by and not by sight. Come on, sit again. Say, we walk by faith, we walk by faith. And, not by and not by sight. One more time. Come on, say, we walk by faith, we walk by faith. And, not by and not by sight. One more time. We walk by what? Faith. And not by Look at your neighbor, look at them in the eye, and say, you must walk by faith. Come on, tell them. Are you going to look at your, look at your neighbor? Y'all look at y'all. Some of y'all look at your neighbor. Now, you, we walk by, come on, we walk by what? And not by? You can't see everything. It made no sense for David to go down and help somebody else when Saul's chasing him. And if you read the rest of the chapter, Saul found out where he was and came after him. David prayed after he saved those people in Keala. He prayed and said, Lord, should I, I heard, is, is Saul coming? And the Lord told him, yes. He said, well, will these people give me up? The Lord said, yes. After you saved them from the Philistines, they're going to turn on you. But God still told him to go. It made no sense. A lot of things God's going to tell you to do. Some you're never going to see the miracle working power of God. Do you, do you think I can do this by myself? I don't have enough. You couldn't do this with, 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 uh, with uh, you, you couldn't do this in the flesh. You can't build a church like this in the flesh. Most of these guys trying to get 70 people together. Right in this neighborhood, they can't hardly get a crowd. I hear it all the time. Ooh, you got a crowd. You know why there's a crowd? God brings the crowd. 
We walk by faith. Look, I'm not that handsome. I ain't that ugly either. I don't think I'm all that smart. I'm not that dumb. But I tell you one thing I am. I walk by what? Faith and not by sight. I didn't have any money. We built this place. Y'all didn't give enough. Y'all gave money. We had money. But you know, it costs a whole lot to run this big old ship. But the Lord just gave us favor. Opened up doors. I tell you all the time, we got on TV, didn't have any money. Couldn't afford to be on the radio. The Lord just gave us what? Favor. The Lord just gave us favor. The Lord's talking to somebody right now because you're in a safe place. You're in a place that's real secure. And the Spirit of God's been dealing with you. The Lord's been dealing with you about your money. Your sacred cow. You hold on to it like I'm holding on to this Bible. Don't let nobody get it. Worried about who's going to get it. I'm going to tell you right now, cheap people never have money. People who are stingy, people who don't give, people who don't sow, people who don't plant, they'll never have anything. They're always going to struggle. Every time I have gotten money, God has always challenged me to sow and give and, and plant. And, and, and it's amazing. You would just think you'd run out. But if you manage what you have left and you pray and you honor God's word, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to re- oh, turn to Malachi real quick. This don't make any sense to me. You read this. I, I tell you right now, Malachi chapter three, it makes no sense. Here's what he says. Verse 10. Now, this is why some of you, again, don't have any money. You don't have any, you're not going to ever have any until you operate in a way. And this is what leaders are supposed to do. This is what David's modeling. David's modeling this. He's giving his life in the, to, to God, saying, God, now, here's my life. What should I do with it? What should I do with my life? He says, I want you to go down to Keala and save those people. Now, Lord, you know, I'm taking my life in my hand. Your money is a symbol of your life. You work for that. And, and, and the tendency in the flesh is to hold on to it like a bear holds on to honey. And anybody who talks about you get an attitude. Anybody's got an attitude here, that's why you broke. People who understand giving and people who have received from God, people who've been blessed, they never were. I never get mad about one money offering. One offering, I don't get mad about offerings. I don't get angry about people when they raise money. I sit there and say, amen. Come on, say Christ with me. Come on, say amen. amen. That's how your spirit should be. When you're free, you can say amen. How many know the joy of the Lord is your strength? How many know that's true? Amen. Come on, amen. How many know that? How many know God is the way maker? Raise your hand. Come on. How many know God will bring you through trials? Come on. You do the same thing when we talk about money. You should be saying amen. God can bring money when you need it. Come on, say amen. Down and I need some money. First got married. The law said $8,000 in the mail. On the day the rent was due, give me a high five. I remember that. I cried on that one. I did then I did. I fell on the floor and cried. I couldn't. Oh, hallelujah. I cried. Oh, some of y'all would cry now if you got eight thousand dollars in the mail. Oh man, I got down and cried. I did. I thought, oh, he's so faithful. I remember. Oh, when I need some overtime on the job, the boss coming off and said, You need some overtime? And I said, yes. And he said, you know what? And I need to raise your salary. Come on, give God some praise. Oh, come on, praise the Lord. You know, I remember. Didn't he die? 
And then he told me to take the work home and my wife helped me finish it. <laughs> Praise God. I remember when the tires went and flattened, you couldn't hardly fix them. I remember all that stuff. And, and so God would challenge me, say, here, like he told Dave, David, do something that doesn't make sense to you. And David went down there to Key Island, helped those folks. Just like this text, God says something here doesn't make sense to anybody. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there may be what? Meet in my house. What does the next verse say? What is next, what, and, and do what? Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open for you the what? Windows of heaven. And pour out for you such blessing that there will not be what? Room enough to do what? Try. If you're broke, try. Pastor Rick, I got a question. What if you don't have enough? You ain't gonna never have enough. If you look at all the statistics, Americans are spending 98% of their money. You ain't never gonna have enough. At some point in your life, you've gotta set a date and say in the name of Jesus, and the best date is today. You need to say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be the kind of person, especially if you are the leader of your household. All right. All right. You hear me talking about David leading, but you're the leader of your household. What kind of leader are you? What kind of example are you setting? Are you staying in a safe place? Or are you willing to go where God says it's risky? I can't tell. I, I'm tell. I just lift my hands up. I'm to everything I pray for. God brings it my way. I can't. If I ask God for anything, He just brings it my way. I don't pray for everything because it keeps coming. I'm on the tone, tone the prayers down because God's gonna bless me. Can I just tell you a few things God's gonna do for me? You want to hear them? No. I want to hear what God's gonna do for you. I want to hear what God's gonna do for you. I have a beautiful list of things. He's done everything on my list so far. Matter of fact, I'm writing a brand new one. My list, my list is clean now. I'm writing a brand new one. I said, Lord, now you see, I'm writing some books in the name of Jesus. That's my new thing. I'm gonna make my list right here in front of you. Get your list out. What you don't sit there and take notes on my life. <laughs> I'm writing now. That's what I'm doing. I'm writing books now. The Lord's gonna bless that. You believe that? Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, in the name of Jesus. That's my new project. I'm writing. Hallelujah. I believe, and I'm I'm everything. Thing you write down there. I want you to begin to write it down. But when you finish writing your list, some of you not even writing, but when you finish writing your list, what you ought to do is you ought to then say, now, Lord, what I'm going to do is live my life. I'm going to take my life and give it to you. My money, my time. You ought to be lined up to volunteer in this church. Say, God, anything they need, any time, any space I have, I'm going to give. I'm going to give my life. And if you give your life, if you take a chance, if you take a risk, Step beyond your comfort zone. I'm a living witness. I grew up in South Central, lived in an apartment all my life. My mama didn't have a house, and I bought her one and put her in it. My mama never lived in a house, except when she was a little girl. And it wasn't anything impressive. When I'm old house in the country, you know what I'm talking about? Shotgun house. I'm talking about my mama's house, boy. <laughs> Got some nerve here. Yeah, it was a shotgun house. It was too, boy. I didn't have, I, I didn't have much promise. But you know what I would do every day? When I got saved on Western Avenue, sitting down there near Gage, I got saved 
sitting down there just beyond, uh, just beyond Jefferson, sitting down there. And I said, praise God in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to trust my God. I began to lift my hands up and I began to work and I began to pray and God began to meet me. I began to pray and seek the face of God and God began to meet me. Are you hearing me, church? I just began to walk by faith. I said, Father, take my life. And the Holy Spirit told me as a teenager, he said, the greatest challenge of your life is going to be trusting me with your life. Some of you don't trust. You are leaning on the arms of flesh. You got your budget. You got your plan. You got all this stuff. And that's all great. I have one, but I don't lean on my budget more than I lean on the word of God. Come on, say amen. I trust God to be my supply and I lift my hands up in faith, live in such a way that he can bless me. And I'm telling you, it works and he pays better. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? He will bless you. He will cause things to happen in your life that you never thought possible. I'm sitting here saying, I don't believe where I live. I don't believe where to drive. I don't believe that woman I got, she's fine. It's like God just keeps her fine. <laughs> There's an anointing of fine on her. Sometimes I look at her and she's fine in the morning and fine at night. If I know big God, she'd probably get ugly real quick. <laughs> See, but God's got an anointing on her life because God knows how I need her to look and God just makes her look good to me. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? Some of you need to hear. God will bless your life. You know, when the children of Israel went through the wilderness, he said he blessed their shoes. They even lasted longer. Don't you want that in your life? You don't get that by living safe. You got to break out of the safety zone. You got to say, God, I'm going to obey you. You've got to try. You've got to try. You've got to try. Some of you are scared to preach. God called you to preach and you won't even open your mouth. How can you talk in front of people? Good. God will use somebody else. God's waiting for somebody to say, let me step out of my comfort zone. Ha! The money's so welded to your pocket you can't give anything. Tied and sold in that little $5 you got. You ain't never seen a $100 bill. Except on TV. Up close. That's why you broke. If you want the blessings of God, you're going to have to step beyond your comfort zone and make a few people mad. Well, this is Pastor Rick. I hope you have enjoyed the study. I really love these studies. It takes me back in time and shows me things that I've forgotten. May these studies continue to bless you. And I pray they stay in a classic place in your heart and mind. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick. Thank you for joining me for another classic study with Pastor Rick. 